0: Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning into Business Insights, a podcast series brought to you by Annex Business Media and MNP, one of Canada's leading national consulting firms. My name is Paul Grossinger, and I am the director of content at Annex Business Media, Canada's largest B2B media company. Today, I am honored to speak with Dan Caringy and Mary Larson from MNP, who will examine the future workplace of Canadian businesses, including what is a hybrid workplace and the shifting values of Canadian business leaders. Dan and Mary, welcome to Business Insights. Initially, we did the survey before COVID hit. And one of the questions we asked was thinking about your business prospects over the next 12 to 18 months, how would you rate your level of optimism? Not surprisingly, or maybe it is, uh, in in survey one, 43% said they're optimistic about the future. In survey two, it dropped to 30%. And Mary, maybe we'll start with you only dropping around 13%, are you shocked at that? Are you surprised at that? Or or can we read anything into that?
1: So so when was the second survey sent out, October? The
0: second survey was sent out October, November timeframe, yes.
1: Okay, well, I'm not surprised that it went down. I think that it only went down to 30% is, is an indication that, I think people come to an understanding that the economy will come back, but it's going to come back in a different way. And I would bet you at this point that it would be almost back up to that 43% range because we're coming out of things. I I think one of the things that's happened over the course of the past year is that we've gotten unstuck. And, you know, kind of the way we've always, always done things in the past, we have figured out that we can do things differently. I would say that people are now coming to the point of saying some of the great things that we've learned about communications and connecting with one another are things that we can carry over into the future and use to our advantage and maybe also get rid of some of the negative things that have happened about the workplace um, as well.
0: Dan, I'm gonna ask you the same question with with one add-on to that is that in the second survey, 16% of the respondents said they were unsure of what the future holds, right? Given that sort of, can you comment too on sort of the level of optimism and sort of wh- where people thought the future might bring them?
2: Yeah, sure, Paul. I think I think we're always gonna have laggards for skepticism uh, on-, on how people are gonna adopt the news that's being rolled out. Uh Mary's sentiments in that. Uh, I think we-, we found out though, we thought the world was gonna end, it didn't end in fact. And uh, really what I think what we learned is, you know, Despite our best efforts to shut down economies and, and keep people safe, you know, life does go on. And I think that's one piece where I think uh, a larger part of, the gener- of society had to experience these types of pains over the last 80 years or so. And uh, the fact that life does go on is just a, a testament to the economies that are out there. And I, th- I think, you know, with the vaccine coming out and the time of, of these particular second survey results, the change is happening to the neighbors in the south of us that there is a bit more optimism and the government spending and programs that are out there. Now, I think with the vaccine being rolled out the way it is today, I think uh, you'll start to see some of that sentimentism continue to increase. So the 16% that may be a little bit uh, less optimistic on the future, I think you'll start to see is people come out of lockdown and the, the the nicer weather comes down the pipe, at least here in Canada, that uh, you'll see individuals start to, to perk up a little bit. Uh, you know, when we look at, you know, the changes to the workforce, you know, the conversations we have, and, and I'm one of them as well, you know, look forward to having a hybrid approach on working from home and, and going in the office, and getting a sense of, I don't want to say routine, because, you know, there is a routine, the coffee makers down the hall, and <laughs> but at least it's a different coffee I can be tasting hopefully in the, in the coming months. So. Right.
0: And just reflecting back on sort of what life was like maybe last March, I know we're almost a year into it, Dan, when you were talking to your clients within those first few months when COVID hit, what was their feeling? Was it panic uh, at first and then rolled into, I need to start working on something? Or just give me an idea, what was the mood in the first few months and how did it change
2: over time? The way you say that, Paul, I think of fight or flight. And uh, I think what we saw across the board was a, was a fight. Right. And I think we saw that flight and I can speak from my own experience. I think we saw that fight in the economy and individuals trying to stay relevant and afloat and competitive and, you know, keep from having to lay off individuals or downsize. You know, everybody, you saw a collective heart on corporate you know, Canada where they wanted to do what was right as opposed to look at margins and profitability. And uh, you know, as part of that, uh, you know, I think leading up into the holidays, at least, you know, there was a collective sigh when the holidays hit because it has been flat out, and uh, I think we continue to see that. And I think a, a large portion of that is is understanding that, uh, as we talked about in the, in the last segment, it is that the economy keeps on rolling, you know, despite our efforts and bailouts and, and uh, certain pieces that are out there. You know, we all need to pay a mortgage or rent. We all have families that need to be supported. And and I think what we're able to see is that our economies are resilient throughout all this. And uh, you know, we're, we're in control of our own destiny to a limited extent here. And uh, I think when you start to look at, you know, things opening back up, I think we'll be able to see folks get this collective sigh like we did over the holidays where you're not just stuck at home anymore at least for those that have the fortunate ability of working from home through this. For those that are in a, in a, in a warehouse or on a shop floor, you know, I'm envious that they have a routine that's outside of, of, of what we're used to day, to, day in and day out.
0: Mary, can you reflect back on the last year and comment on some of the conversations you have with clients about first few months of panic or, or was it, as Dan said, that fight versus flight kind of mentality?
1: I, I would agree with Dan. I mean, I, I, none of my clients were in a state of, of, what i would call panic. i think there was a huge sense of urgency at the beginning. you know, what do, how do we how do we make the transition to working in a different way? and then once once that happened, um i mean the, the, what's very interesting is the conversations that i'm having with clients around developing growth strategies or coming up with new distribution approaches or thinking about how um to think about the future. Um, I think people are, are first of all, more thoughtful about the future. And I have seen a huge uptick in people wanting to do scenario planning, who are wanting to think more creatively about the future. And so I'm working right now with four clients on some version of scenario planning. The the other thing that I've seen, and Dan um, alluded to this, is there's been a shift in values and there was a, a, a really interesting global study on values that was um, put out. in it, it was done about the same time as the work that Annex did, but the um, the survey came out in October and showed a huge shift from a focus on profitability and accountability to um, things like supportive uh, organizations, teamwork, partnership, collaboration, and. What I think there has been a fundamental shift in how people are thinking about their their employee base and and their customers. So I think that's going to, I hope it sticks because that's also going to be a very helpful thing going forward. But no, nope, not a lot of panic and frankly, a lot of very calm uh, reflection on how to approach the future.
0: At Annex, we have 160 employees, but hate to say it, we had a mentality where everyone had to be in the office from nine to five. Right. Uh, And then March hit and everyone worked from home and the jobs we traditionally thought couldn't be done outside the office, we realized that they can be done. And and then maybe you can talk about the initial thoughts on remote working and uh, different ways of working and and um, and sort of what advice you gave to clients potentially back last March in terms of
2: a new reality. The the, the early days of the of the pandemic with the lockdown in in March, you know, uh, my personal observation is it didn't affect what we do in technology because we've been doing remote work and and supporting clients remotely for the last 10 years, really, since cloud has become the kind of the standard. And even before that, through more legacy types technologies, being able to access different systems. So from a technology standpoint and how we go to market, it didn't impact us on how we operate. Um, What it did impact was the freedom of being able to go into the office if and when or meet physically with our team members, which are usually a lot more productive face to face than over these virtual meetings, so it's more rapport building. From a client perspective, you know, we, we, we saw, I'm gonna say two thirds of our clients were ahead of the curve. They've already adopted some sort of cloud enablement technology, whether it be Zoom like we're using here today, whether it be Teams through Microsoft and different medians where they could have accessibility outside of the brick and mortar that most people go to. The other third, and I used the word laggards before, was a wake up call to actually say, hey, you know, there's a we're being forced now to move forward on things. And traditionally what we see in the tech space is Canadian companies are very conservative when it comes down to their technology investments. And, and we saw that conservatism somewhat disappear just by necessity. So there's a there's running jokes online and memes that you'll see on, you know, what caused your digital transformation or modernization and you know it's pandemic related. Um, you know, so over the course of the year, we've seen a lot of the conversation shift from moving more parts of the business to the cloud as opposed to maintaining. The, uh, the, the physical server locations that've we've, we've been used to for the past you know 30 40 years.
0: Mary, do you want to comment about about uh, sort of that change of mentality of remote workforce
1: I think there are several facets of this if if it's a client that you've known in the past and you've worked with this in you know individual or teams before the transition to working remotely has been almost seamless um, and you can have really good conversations with clients. I think where we're seeing um, a bit of a challenge, but becoming more creative about doing things is when you've got a group of people and you're trying to get something done creatively. And so how do you do workshops? How do you how do you come up with something new? And the I think people have gotten much more creative about how to introduce, you know, team breakouts and shorten meetings and you know, not try to do you can't have a day long meeting anymore. I mean, it's just, it's not possible. And so I've I've seen a fair amount of creativity and often have said to myself, what if this had happened 10 years ago? I, you know, you don't even want to think about it. The, The thing that I'm less happy about, I think is how we have not introduced rigor into how we schedule our own time. And so this notion of one meeting after another, after another, after another, leaving us no time to think is not a good thing. We don't have the luxury of getting on an airplane and just being able to think anymore or, you know, go into a, a, a room and just, you know, at your desk and, and write something. Um, and the other thing is just the time that we don't have to get to know our clients and our team members as well. I, I had a really interesting experience today with a, a client meeting and we finished what we needed to finish in 10 minutes. And We had a half an hour. And rather than getting off the phone, we actually talked to each other about where do you live you know, do you have kids at home? Um, What's been like, you know, do you, you what's your family situation? And it was great. And that, you know, it, it wasn't as good as going to lunch with a client, but it was very nice. And we're not taking enough time to do that. And actually two of my, my team members were on it. So I learned some things about them too, as well as the client. So I think we need to spend more time doing that.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I don't have a long commute. Back in the day, it was, it was 30 minutes each way. But I sort of missed that decompressing time between the office and getting home to my three kids, right? Like, yeah. I'm coming home to see my three kids. But now, like I think Dan said, is that my daughter's coming home at 3.15, like, I'm a dad right away, <laughs> right? Yeah. Which, which yeah. is great. I, I love it. It's, don't get me wrong, but there is no time where I can listen to my podcast or or call my mom for a half hour, whatever it might be, right? You miss that time. And I wonder if things will change. Like, I know one of the things that I I noticed in the survey is that when asked about permanent work-from-home programs, once offices can operate at full capacity, over half of businesses, surprisingly, would not consider it. Mary, what what does that say, you think, about Canadian businesses and their approach to this changing workforce?
1: Well, I think that to a huge extent, we've realized that, we can be very, very efficient with our time and we don't need to be with it other all the time. And the fact that you guys, given what you do in business media, um, that you all thought you needed to be in the office just makes no sense. I mean, you you don't need to, but, and I like the fact that I can, um, you know, I can finish work at a certain point today, go out for a walk and then come back and do some work. I mean, you know, ordinarily I would have had to gone to a gym to do that and I can just walk out of my house and go for a lovely walk up the mountain. I, I think I think this idea of blended time, um, you know, some, some remote and some not. And what's going to have to happen, though, is business is going to have to operate more flexibly than it did in the past. I mean, it, it can't be all remote or all in person. And I'm not sure how the decision makers are going to deal with this. I mean, you know, how will the bureaucracy a big bank for example figure out how to make this work i think it's possible i know our firm is 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 spending a lot of time trying to figure out how to make it work and but it's going to take some hard work on the part of bureaucracies to to make this happen in a way that's going to be effective and i'm not quite sure how that's going to work
0: right and dan i'll follow up with you about how businesses should approach what the new workplace looks like is it a hybrid model how do they know what's best for their business and their staff and their clients? Um, What are your thoughts on the whole sort of return to work and what
2: model works best? I don't know if there's a one-size-fits-all model here. Different industries, different caliber of individuals, different hierarchies to, to Mary's point. You know, my, my thoughts are it has to be flexibility, right? And uh, I think I think we will, we'll see a permanent shift on how businesses operate. I think we're seeing that today. You know, it's definitely a more laid back lifestyle like I'm actually waiting for the days where you know they an announcement goes out across the firm and it's like you know can you guys not wear sweaters (laughs) sweatshirts on your on your calls anymore we got client engagements right like there's there's dress policies associated with certain things and uh you know I think I think if you're if you're a leading or a innovative business then you're going to realize people work Differently. And you're going to realize that new generations coming in, it's outside of millennials and Gen Z and uh, what's it, Alpha, I think is the, the newer one. All they'll know is a screen. So, where the three of us, for instance, will probably thrive more in a face to face meeting as opposed to working virtually because you lose that human connection. For generations coming up, it, it's all they really know. And, and based on you know, certain articles you read, they value more of the freedom. They value more time back as opposed to what the, the usual driver is, which is everybody wants the title and money, right? So I think I think the, the soft benefits are going to be the flexibility and where I can work from, and you know, can I can I take Thursdays off to go skiing and I'll make it up in the evenings? Or on like I I see it all the time now, starting to happen in our interview processes, mm-hmm. and you know, being a being an accountancy. Um, in a consulting firm you know we've got to realize there's different perspectives we need to bring to the table which are going to give us a better rounding experience and helping with our clients you know solve their business problems so i think i think businesses in general not just canadian based will have to be a little bit more flexible when it comes down to the you know brick and mortar being at your desk or working remotely and you're starting to see that with some of the larger tech companies where we don't care where you work right you can work anywhere you want and you know, have fun because it's yeah. a, it's a virtual world.
1: I think employers have learned to trust their employees in ways that they never did. It was sort of like, if, oh, if we let people work from home, they're not going to work very hard. well, This has proven that that is not the case, right? I think that's been a big, a big change and hopefully will help us going forward.
0: I guess the next question to you guys would be more about leadership. And Mary, I'll throw this out to you. From a leadership perspective, what do you say to the C-suite about how to tackle the next three or four months maybe?
1: That's a really interesting question. Um, and one of the things that that I think more than ever um, is going to be important is is taking time to have conversations. The word alignment has been bandied about, you know for many, many years. We need to get you know the team aligned to the strategy and and all that good stuff. And you know what does alignment mean? Typically, it's been a very top-down thing. The CEO sets the strategy with a top team and then they you know, make sure that the rest of the organization knows what's going on. But that that's typically one-way communication to a large, it has been in the past. And I think what's going to be really important going forward is two-way communication and, and making sure that there are conversations. If you're not gonna necessarily be in the office all the time, and you are going to be working at least to some degree remotely, if you're in a service business, then you got to make sure you're listening to the people who are actually doing the work. That was not quite as necessary if you're all in the office all the time and talking to one another, These, those two way multilateral communications kind of happen all the time. But you've got to make a huge effort to do that. If you've got people working remotely, you've got to find a way to engage. and, one of the things that I think is going to be crucial is to make sure that we we can see one another. Um, I've heard so many people talk about you know using Zoom or Teams, but not people not having their cameras on. So you can't see each other. And I just I think that's we're gonna to have to find a way technologically to make sure that we can continue to see one another. because I can see your eyes, I can see you nodding your head. I've, feel like I'm having a conversation with you, but if I was on the phone with you, what would I feel <laughs> right now? I wouldn't know whether you're agreeing with me or not. Or it. So yeah. I think it's it, we really have to enhance our communications capabilities as leaders. And the other thing I think is to thank people for the work that they're doing, to show appreciation and, and to acknowledge um, what people are doing. So that would be my other right. aspect of important leadership characteristics going
0: forward. Dan, did you want to add add anything to that?
2: Yeah, I think Barry did a a really good job on kind of explaining what we have to do in order to retain talent, right? Um, It's a talent war out there right now because some of the industries are thriving and technology and consulting is one of those industries because everyone's, you know, those that are are trying to better themselves understand they can't do it all themselves and you need a supporting ecosystem behind you. So I think what COVID, and I'll speak specifically to our consulting and tech service line is, it's allowed us to hire outside of a geography we usually felt pigeonholed to, like a local geography. So an example is I have, you know, two new managers starting both on opposite sides of the country and, you know, we'll we'll meet in the middle with timeframes and meetings that make sense. Now, from a personal touch, which I think is still important, right? Being able to see, touch, feel, listen, laugh with individuals and often find, you know, being in person allows you to do that and you're actually, creativity is more enhanced in person in my experience as well. It's those water cooler talks or just in passing, oh, by the way, and that's where the creativity comes. I find, and Mary made this a, a good point in the last segment, which is really around you know back-to-back Zoom meetings. If we were in an office environment, we wouldn't be scheduling ourselves back-to-back. And if we were, at least you've got five, 10, maybe even at times 15 minutes between meetings where you would walk the floor somebody would come into the office and talk. And I think it's those little conversations. So the little things that make big things happen. And I think that's what's missing right now. I think you get fatigue from the Zoom calls, the Teams calls, being back to back. So I'm a big proponent. And we did this before uh, COVID even hit. And I see this being even more crucial coming out of COVID when we're out of our lockdown, at least here in the GTA, is is once we're in the office, at least once a week for the full team to be there. At least those are a local. And, and then giving the floor the platform for the team to contribute to these team meetings as opposed to being a top-down voice. So, you know, I used to do it on Fridays. You know, to me now it's a midweek thing. That way you can make the adjustments through the week instead of people forgetting over the weekend and resetting come Monday. So to me, that's a, a big piece that we try and instill is at least every Wednesday, you know, when we're allowed to go in the office again, that, uh, the, that you're there and, you know, we're, we're making time for each other. I would say the most productive meetings we've had was prior to the lockdown in November, the whole team was, was back into our Mississauga office. And it was probably one of the uh, more fun days I've had in a long time, right? Be able to go for a a drink or a coffee after work, being able to order in some food and just, you know, talk, shoot the breeze in general, not just about work related items. So I think that social piece is an important element. Once it comes back online, that will be important as well.
0: Yeah. I think that's one of the challenges that I'm facing is that, during the whole covid pandemic and we're still in it is not having the the options to do stuff like i can't i can't go out and have a coffee with a client like i have to do a zoom call or i can't have lunch with a team member right or i can't go to a trade show or or an industry event right and so i think not having options is is sort of a a challenge right both physically but also mentally like knowing that we're sort of say stuck in this but uh, I think that has been the hard part for a lot of companies.
2: It's funny you say that, Paul. So I was talking to marketing the other day. Or as soon as the one vendor, you know, takes that risk and opens up to be an in-person event again, and uh, you'll probably see these events more attended to than they were before, at least in the short term, because people want to get out. I think people want are earning for that social interaction, and just to come up with different business models. So Mary had mentioned this in in an earlier segment, you know, whatever our client's doing the fight or flight at the beginning of the pandemic, well, everybody fought and you can only fight for so long. It's only so sustainable. And then you get into a plateau of complacency and then you get the next wave of innovation happening. And uh, I I think what we're we're starting to see is our people understanding that you can be frenemies with your competitors. You can collaborate on different business models because everything shifted from what we're used to. So that complacency model and kind of the the idea of the the nine to five, the idea of, you know, I'm going to retire at a certain age. I think with the virtual workforce that we're moving to, with a hybrid approach I'm going in the office at least one or two times a week, probably in the future, if that's the direction it's going to go, that uh, people will be working for longer periods of time just by true, uh, not necessity, but out of, why not? Because I can continue to do it based on the, the, uh, the, the line of business that I'm in. That totally makes sense. Mary, one of the questions we
0: asked on the survey was, overall, how prepared is your business for future challenges? In survey number one, 40% said they're well-prepared or better. In survey number two, 54% said they're well-prepared. So I guess the pandemic made people stop and think of what the future might hold a little bit more.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I think that is absolutely true. And This is the confidence that people got through having pivoted. And once you realize how quickly you can change how you do things, you know, you can do it again. And so I think about the universities managed to, I mean, McGill moved within two or three weeks to 100% remote teaching. And, And these are huge institutions. And, you know, the banks moved, everybody, you know, everybody has found a new way of working. And, And not, you know, it's obviously, as we've been talking about, it's not perfect, it isn't, you know, it isn't ideal, but if you know you can do that in an emergency, and you know, by the way, and you know, got the technology to help you, um, then I think that that allows people to say, we can do this again, if we have to, and we can certainly respond to kind of whatever comes down the road, if it's not, you know, as long as it's not the the end of the world. But but this, I'm not surprised that the confidence has, has risen.
0: Right. And Dan, before we do some parting shots, I want to ask you about the technology component. I hear things like digital transformation and industry 4.0 and IOT are big. Um, can you talk about sort of the future of the workplace and, and the role technology is going to play six months down the road, a year, or, or even further down the road?
2: So I I think what we're seeing is technology. It's it's in everything we do. So Mary had made the point earlier, if this had happened 10, 15 years ago, (laughs) it'd be a quite different outcome than it is today. And um, you, know, I, I, I think when, when we look at our clients, it used to be tech, digital transformation, as he talked about policy speed, uh, modernization, you know really now it's, it's it's business reimagined, right? I like that reimagined kind of workflow that we're, we're, we're starting to use more in our conversation because I would say 90% of the time when we talk technology and based on us being an accountancy, we're dealing with finance. And uh, so the finance reimagined, because those are are really stakeholders we often engage with. And over the last couple of years, uh, finance has really been the driver for some of these digital transformation efforts, specifically in the enterprise resource planning and financial planning analysis worlds. So this reimagined component is understanding that we still have a large Canadian contingent on on premise type systems. And every call we go on to for those clients that are still holding on to the perpetual licensing of the on-premise uh, era, you know, is, is is always looking to move to the cloud. So I think we're going to continue to see an acceleration for cloud adoption. I would say we're probably 50% of the way there, but that's still 50% that we'll need to modernize. Or for those that fall off the rails based on you know businesses closing or changes happening, at least in the small business sector, that you know, when they do go back into market necessity of reinventing themselves it will be on a different platform than they would have used before so i think we're going to see this big leapfrog on, on what has happened over the last year and, and really the more openness to cloud and having your data out there you know it, i find it still quite comical and you'll talk to some companies and they'll be like well we don't want to be in, in the cloud we don't want our data out there and that was a big big hurdle in the early days of cloud specifically in erp and you know the, the question is, and this is going to sound cliche to anybody who's listening to this, is well, are you doing online banking? Are you using email? It's the same premise, right? And unless you have something to hide on your data and you want to keep it private, which some people do, then you know maybe the cloud isn't right for you. But the reality is, when you're looking at <laughs> what we deal with most of the time, which is transactional details on the from a general ledger of sorts, then you know that that, that there's really nothing to hide there. In fact, there's more efficiencies to be made through different uh, integration or automation
0: points than anything else. I see. Mary, what makes you optimistic about the future of community business and uh, what the future of the workplace might look like?
1: I think I'm going to go back to a couple of things I've said in the past and then build on something that Dan said. I think, first of all, it's the confidence that we've built because we've been able to change how we do stuff. And so Once you know you can change, you know you've changed, you know you can change again. The second thing is that I think values have shifted. Um, We know that the value shift that has taken place over the past year, reflected almost like seven normal years of value shifts. And so people are talking about, you know, whether it's ESG or culture or, you know, taking care of employees or just, having much more awareness of the importance of, of the workforce and the crucial role that workers have played in making sure that the economy continued to operate um, I think I think that's another you know, major shift. And then in, to the you know what Dan's been talking about is heightened awareness of we have to invest in technology as an as a underlying set of capabilities that workers need to be effective and efficient, The only thing that would scare me or make me not feel quite as confident about that is I'm worried about hacking and, you know, all the things that can go wrong with technology if you're not careful. So I think we have to build in a lot of protections for people going forward uh, to make sure that data is secure that we're not hacked and that that our ability to continue to communicate along numerous lines of media will be will be preserved. But as I say, I'm, I'm hoping that the value shift that we've uh, experienced is going to be a long term one. And, and I think it will be. I think people have kind of learned that we have to sort of operate business somewhat differently and, and think about values and, and people in a different way.
0: Dan, uh, I'll let you uh, close the discussion. Why may you be so optimistic about the future of Canadian business?
1: Well, I think
2: it's it's the retooling that we're going to go through in order to sustain the value shift that's happening. So we spent a lot of time talking about the pandemic and COVID nineteen over the last year, and you know it's really been a series of pandemics uh, outside of COVID as well, climate pandemic. It's been uh, related to social justice uh, pandemics. So it's this, a lot of change happening, and so I like Mary's point about the it's a seven year itch happening now and kind of reinventing ourselves and what we want to be. I think, you know, because it's a virtual world, at least in the short term, uh, and it'll continue to be a big part of our lives going forward, I think there's a lot more trust that will be established through this type of networking because it has it's opened it up to a broader conversation uh, to some degree. But I find those conversations, and so I'm kind of contradicting myself with the statement, are also more transactional in nature, right? So a lot of the times, and what we saw early on was, you know, people certainly feel the call because they wanted comfort that they were doing the right things. They wanted that uh, peace of mind that there's strength in numbers when it comes down to how they're reacting to the pandemic. Now, understanding that the, you know, that we're still in the thick of things, but the sky is not falling, as we talked about earlier, and life goes on. And I think, you know, optimistically wise, you, you look at this global play that's happening. So it's it's a North American markets now that we talk about more than just the Canadian and US but still very fragmented based on just the the last number of years uh, for right or wrong it's just the reality of what it is and uh, I think as you start to see more of a uh, we'll call it integrated approach which has always been there it's always been integrated there's always been interdependencies but I think what we have an opportunity doing now is kind of breaking down borders even more and I say that from a Canadian to U.S. perspective, not necessarily Canada globally, but you know, from root tooling efforts, you know, we, we saw firsthand manufacturing start to want to come back onshore. It's been something talked about for years, and uh, the reality is we have got a low dollar and you know, <laughs> high expectations on paying the cheapest amount possible for a manufactured good. So there, I think we started to see a, a shift in people and values and saying I'd rather pay a bit of a premium to have something manufactured here because I'm supporting local or something along those lines. So I think when you look at all these little microcosms of those types of value shifts happening, then it presents a good opportunity for us. Uh, Pessimistically, you know, you look at the debt loads out there and it's crazy, like the the debt loads that are happening, not so much on a personal level, because you do hear people doing record savings. But from uh, what does that do to our taxing structure? Of course, I'll rely on our brother and on the accounting side to figure that out for the Canadian people. But, you know, what does that do for the entrepreneurial spirit? Right. Did, did we see are we going to see more creativity coming out of this from canadians which are typically a mid-market small business country are you going to see these small businesses that you know might be closed permanently because of these lockdowns come back in a thriving manner or reinvent themselves to as uh, based on a subscription economy which is what everything in technology is these days or do you see people look for comfort in working on a government job and uh not that it's Nothing wrong with government jobs, but you know, being part of the public sector and and, and not innovating to a larger degree that you see in the private side. So I, I think it'll be interesting over the, over the coming time to see what happens. And I think one of the tells for that will be coming out of insolvencies from corporations yeah. and businesses, and what that tax bill looks like. And that's the part that I think we need to prepare for more adequately uh, as part in, as part of the retooling as well. Is you know what are what will this do to inhibit or enable growth?
1: Um, One of the things that I find really amazing um, about what's happened in the past year is is this ESG thing. And the degree to this whole issue of creativity and and technology, the degree to which we are actually turning a corner and thinking about technologies that are going to reverse all of the, you know, hopefully we will actually reverse the things, the damage that we've done to this planet and people are are focused on this now they weren't i mean there was just a sense of oh it's it's around the corner somebody else will deal with it but i think this has kind of hit us smack in the face saying we got to do something about it and i think we actually are
0: mary and dan thanks so much for joining us today i really enjoyed our conversation and i know our audience will find your insights and experiences useful as they continue to explore ways to move their respective businesses forward
1: thank, thank you, you very much thank take you care. take care
0: Stay tuned for future episodes of Business Insights brought to you by MP. Please check out mnpbusinessinsights.ca to listen to other episodes of our podcast and to learn more about the impact COVID 19 has had and is having on Canadian businesses from coast to coast.